The Truth News Network. A wise man once said, if you hear a horse, don't look for a zebra. Applied to today's politics, when you find drugs, find a drug addict. And contrary to the gyrations and tortured logic of politics, that's the truth. From TNN, the Truth News Network, with your host, Dan Newman. Now what we do is we expand that. We expound that. We just take it apart. That's what we're going to do here today at Truth News Network. Thank you so much for joining us. TNN Live, a production of www.truthnewsnet.org. We're here every day. If we're not doing a TNN Live show, which that would mean Saturday and Sunday, we're going to have articles to keep you posted on the important things that are happening in your life and ours and every other person on the planet. We don't live in this thing by ourselves. I think we all understand that, but we really don't think much about that. And we certainly don't talk much about that. But we're humans, all of us. I don't know how many billions there are on the planet, but it's a bunch of people. And every single human being has a set of circumstances in their life that are, at least in some form or fashion, exclusive to them. So what does that have to do with me? Collectively, we are all part of one thing, the world. Now, what we do with that, how we consider it, what we think about that, and how we adapt our lives to that, those are all moving targets that each one of us have got to figure how we best fit in there and make the choices to get there. Now, you didn't come here to get a social instruction You didn't come here to get a biological perspective either, did you? You came here to get some facts, and facts we have, and facts in abundance. This is Tuesday. What does that mean here at TNN Live? Every Tuesday, Steve Baker joins us, and I just spoke with him minutes ago. He has a blockbuster that's going to blow your mind when he comes on in our second hour. Between now and then, much, much, much to talk about. Need I say this? It's hot in Washington, D.C., and it's getting hotter. We're going to start with all that right after this.
That's ELO, Electric Light Orchestra. Some years ago, that's a live concert at Wembley Stadium in London. More than 120,000 people there. I mean, it's a massive stadium, but then when you have the all the field, the soccer field covered with chairs, you can pack in a lot of people, and I loved ELO in their day. If you just joined us, good morning again. Glad to have you here. Steve Baker will join us in our second hour, and between now and then, got some things we need to clear up. This civil trial in New York City is turning out to be a joke, every aspect of it. And in just a moment, you're going to hear from President Trump's, former President Trump's attorney, Alina Haba. She's quite a firebrand herself, but this is a trial I've never heard or seen anything quite like it. And it's tearing everybody up because every day, more and more evil and corruption is being exposed. This kind of stuff has just got to be stopped. We are right now, you and I, are witnessing the disillusion of the rule of law in the United States of America from top to bottom. There's not a branch of police, any kind of, of law enforcement officers out there that aren't directly impacted by what is coming out of Washington, D.C. and Joe Biden's Department of Justice. It's incredible. They're thumbing their noses at the rule of law, at how law is supposed to be handled, where it comes from, what it's about, and what it must be equal for every American. Literally, if you look at this trial, and if you've watched any of it, if you see anything that's going on there and hear somebody talk about it factually, it is nothing like our forefathers foresaw that it would be when they came over here from Europe and established this country. In fact, one of the biggest reasons why they left Europe and came over here was to establish a law enforcement entity a Department of Justice. They didn't have a name at that time, I don't think, but that's what they wanted, that's what they devised, and that's what they put enshrined in the U.S. Constitution. And it promises everybody gets the same treatment. Not in Joe Biden's world. Oh, my gosh, we could spend all day, all week, all month 
talking about nothing but that. But after yesterday's section of this trial, which was a charade by all counts, anybody and everybody that looked in or heard anything going on, that's what we know. And I thought after the president's lawyer, Alina Haba, if she calmed down a little bit, Larry Elder, excuse me, Larry Kudlow had her on his show at Fox News. Listen to her version of what's going on there. All right, you may have seen some of this earlier in the day, but a left-wing New York judge doesn't even have the grace to let the 45th president of the United States speak in court, much less on what the 45th president of the United States achieved as a realtor who essentially changed the face of New York real estate. Anyway, joining us now is one of his key attorneys, Alina Haba. Welcome back to the show. We appreciate it very much. Um, I don't get this. He's got an agenda. Uh, everybody's got an agenda in this courtroom. And they will not let Donald Trump speak his piece. Now, I want to ask you, okay, let me ask. Is Donald Trump being rude? Is he yelling? Or is he just trying to get his, let's say, two cents in that this uh, judge won't let? Honestly, none of the above. What would happen was they would show him two paragraphs on the screen. They would say, okay, here's two paragraphs on the screen. Mr. President, did you certify to this? And he would say, well, the two paragraphs discuss insurance. They discuss value. And they discuss how I can rent certain property, 40 Wall Street, for instance. Uh, Let me explain. First, let me hit the value. First, let me hit the insurance. Let me hit this. Let me hit that. And he would go into explaining to them Mm -hmm. that maybe you have a loan document that says that I have to have a a net worth of $50 million. Basic. Okay. But there's certain provisions there with step downs and things like that. It's not that simple. If I have to be absolutely honest with you, Larry, I think that they really should have thought about the legal team questioning. Somebody who is a real estate tycoon, a real estate mogul, is going to go down as one of the greats. Spend his whole life. They don't get it. And they're trying to attack and criticize somebody. You better be an expert to try and trying, come after him. See, look, as somebody who knows him rather well, he's trying to explain what I'm going to call the science of real estate. That's right. The accounting of real estate, the economics That's of real right. estate, okay? And he knows it very well. You might disagree with some of it, but he knows it very well. That's right. And this judge, as I understand it, will not let him finish these paragraphs. No. And I don't know. And the other thing, can I just, I think this showed up. Uh, you were on, uh, your presser was during Sandra and uh, Smith and John Roberts. Um, has a president ever testified like this in court? No. Never. It's a disgrace. So they won't give him the grace to do that. It's, it's really, they're cutting him off. And I objected and there was a fiery exchange with the judge. Yeah. Um, frankly, I, I can't even say it was with the judge and I. I'm very polite. I'm very professional when I'm in the courtroom. But the judge s- did not like him finishing or explaining because it wasn't good for their case. And he's interfering. He's made his decision. Let's not forget that, Larry. He made his decision on summary judgment. He found liability already. So now we're wasting taxpayer dollars for months and months and months. 450000 for an expert the AG paid. Mm. Taxpayer dollars. Those New York taxpayer dollars. We're wasting all this time and he won't even let the president, who's the person they're trying to get to, explain why he's certified to certain values. Why? Because the minute he starts to explain it, it ruins their case. He was worth more than his statement of financial condition. And Miss James, her politics, mm. are not allowing her now to backtrack. She needs a PR team, I'm telling you. She's well, she have, looks she's... like a damn fool. Yeah. But put, putting that aside, I mean, it's the same story with the Mar-a-Laga property in Palm Beach. 
every realtor is laughing yeah. at the tax assessor's assessment, which you, you and I talked about a month ago. Every realtor knows what Trump is talking about in this courtroom. The guy that doesn't know what he's talking about is a politically biased left-wing judge who won't let the 45th president make his case. I think that is one of the worst parts of this whole story. You call a trial, you make these charges, the president who doesn't have to comes in? Mm -hmm. Really? Mm -hmm. I mean, you could do it just as well, but he came in and they won't let him finish his paragraph? Not only that, Larry, in the beginning, and this isn't going to be reported, but in the beginning, the judge kept trying to say, if you do it again, I'm just going to tell you to leave and I'm going to have a negative inference. First of all, you can't really do that. But he was going, trying to find a reason because he was panicked. Uh, you, this is an elected official. The judge is an elected official. Yeah, yeah. Letitia James is an elected official. We can't have elected officials who need to be bipartisan, who need to be on the side of their democratic thinking, their, their left-wing, radical left thinking. We can't have people like that on the bench, and then we sit here and, and can't put our case up. It doesn't make sense. You know, I know there are a lot of left-wing judges in New York. I get that. But there are also some good judges. There are. There's a court of appeals in this state. There's yep. an appellate court, all that stuff. You have a, the New York Bar Association. I know it leans left, but they're not crazy people. No. There are a lot of wonderful law firms. Law firms, by the way, whose chief officers are <laughs> Republicans, believe it or not. So I'm waiting for people to start speaking out regarding the injustice of the way this judge is treating the 45th president. Do you see my point? I do. Somebody has to stop the circus and say, this guy, what's his name, the name of the judge? Judge Gorin. He is a bad apple, and we don't want to stand behind him because he's making all of us in New York look bad. That's the truth. I'm waiting for someone to do that. That's the truth, and I think that, you Just know, step up. Yeah. Step up and say that. Democrat, Republican, it doesn't matter. This is ruining the legal establishment of New York. This guy's a clown, and everybody knows it. And then there's this issue what he's got a a clerk uh, a law clerk who's uh, you've got a mile long uh, list of left-wing causes she's donated to what's up with that well i've been gagged and i'm not permitted to talk <laughs> oh, about don't say a word i'm not permitted i want to keep you out of jail but i think that says it all i'm not permitted to sit here and talk about it Where i am the legal the spokeswoman order? for the president he's gagging the president he gagged he's gagging you well. yeah. he can't gag me because i'm in no, I'm in journalism you're free to say media. what you want <laughs> but really i mean it's crazy stuff so all right what happens next what happens next well this week we're going to finish they're going to rest their case we are obviously going to move uh, to completely dismiss this case. There should be a mistrial based on some of the things you mentioned today that I can't talk about. Mm -hmm. There should be a mistrial here. Uh, bias, in general, I'll say, there is judicial code of ethics. Those ethics extend to yes. the entire courtroom. And when you violate the rules of judicial ethics, there need to be certain things that hold you accountable. Your license, that's why there is the bar, that's why there are ethics. There needs to be rules uh, regarding people's ability to believe in an impartial system. And I do believe it as an American, it's my mission to bring to light when there isn't that. Because not everybody's Donald Trump, not everybody can pay for a team exactly. of 20 lawyers. Exactly. And, and if we don't stop it now, we're gonna be in real deep trouble. I think we already frankly are. Well, I think, as I said before, I think calmer heads have to prevail with respect to the New York legal system because it looks like a clown show to the rest of the world. I also think people, whatever your opinions of my former boss, the fact remains he's a 45th president. He did not have to testify in court and he did to make a case about 
the economics and science of real estate. He could have given these guys a lesson if the judge had just listened. Yeah, well, he did give them a lesson. Judge might have, <laughs> hang on a second, he might have learned something. Can you imagine a judge learning something? You know, I would invite that judge to come see some of these properties. Go step on Mar-a-Lago. Go tell yeah. me that that's worth $18 million. Go, go, I mean, it's so absurd that the, the country is laughing. And if he has any, you know, self-respect, you have an opportunity the to West, turn this around. The whole west side of New York was changed by Donald Trump. The sky and Skyline. The whole east side of New York was changed by Donald Trump. Before we get away from this story, I've got a few points I want to bring out. And then we're going to move on. Don't forget Steve Baker joins us at the top of the next hour. Want to get some things out for you to consider while you're having your day-to-day. Let me just explain to you what this trial, what his attorney, Abba, Alina Abba, was talking about. It's a bench trial. Letitia James, the state attorney general, she was the former prosecutor in New York City. When she ran for prosecutor in New York City, she made a promise to anybody that supported her. She was going to destroy Donald Trump. Literally, she campaigned on that over and over and over. And she's an extreme racist. How do I know that? Because of what she says. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. She said multiple times when she was campaigning, we have a horrible president of the United States. This obviously was when Donald Trump was the 45th president. And by the way, he'll always be the 45th president, but when he was in office. And she said this, this is a direct quote. The problem we have in Washington, D.C. is this president's administration is too male and too pale. In other words, there aren't enough women and there are too many white guys. Flip that script and imagine how explosive the response would be across the United States. Democrats would have gone crazy. Nobody even mentioned that, but that's just one thing. Bench trial, she filed the structure for this trial with the district court in Manhattan. Now, she's the New York State Attorney General. She shouldn't be involved in this case, and you know the only time she's appeared in court during this whole thing is the days that she knows Donald Trump's going to be in the courtroom. And then she always has a presser out on the steps of the courthouse so she can pontificate. She wants to run for governor. She was running before, and she was so far down in the hole that she pulled out and just decided to run for attorney general. It's all about politics. It's not about the law. This judge doesn't have a clue. I've listened to about 45 minutes of bits and pieces of the actual court uh, process going on. This guy doesn't have a clue. And so let me tell you what they're trying to do. Letitia James wants to totally bankrupt Donald Trump, the Trump's corporations, his children, everybody that's involved with it. And part of what this judge has already done in summary judgment before a single piece of evidence was presented in court, he made it very clear, Trump's guilty. They want to force every property that Trumps have in New York to be put under the supervision of individuals that are handpicked by this court to run. 
They want to destroy all of the Trump corporations, invalidate them. Never let any of that happen again. No Trump business whatsoever in the state of New York. That's what's already out there. Now, nobody's thinking about this. There are tens of thousands of employees of various versions of the Trump organization in New York. They're going to force the fire sale of all those companies? What's going to happen to all those employees? They don't care. It's about politics. It's about keeping Donald Trump from running again. And it doesn't look like Donald Trump, by the way, he is going to run again, but it doesn't look like he's going to be running against Joe Biden. More about that in our second hour. Steve Baker and I will discuss this a little bit later. Two things and I'm going to move on. Number one, if you know anything about real estate, about commercial real estate, commercial borrowing and loans, et cetera, anytime you have a corporation, and I've had several and we've owned properties and we had to finance them, you put together an audited financial statement for the company. And then the bank goes and they examine the property that's going to be the the uh, security for this loan, and you give the bank a legitimate appraisal by somebody that you work with. How much is this really worth? It's the bank's responsibility to either accept accept what your lawyer, your real estate firm, whatever it is, assesses the value at that piece of property or their choice. They take their own out there and assess it and come up with a value. It's their final responsibility. That's number one. Letitia James, this attorney general, is accusing Donald Trump of all kinds of fraud, misrepresentation, everything. I mean, it's ridiculous. I've never even heard of this happening, ever, even in New York City. So, we're talking about dozens of skyscrapers. We're talking about massive real estate holdings, golf courses, golf facilities here in the United States and elsewhere. Mar-a-Lago always come up. That's the, I guess, the official residence of Donald and Melania Trump. It's in the most amazing part of Florida that anybody can come up with. It's massive. It's the only property that has a front on the Intercoastal Canal and also on the beach. Right down the street, five lots, empty lots, not developed, nothing on them. Each of those five lots was appraised and sold for $500 million each. $500 million each. Mar-a-Lago is a massive, unbelievable facility. It's incredible. There's nothing like it anywhere in the United States. And this judge accepted an appraisal of $18 million for Mar-a-Lago. You couldn't touch it in Florida today for less than $1 billion. That's the insanity that is playing out up there. And then you heard his lawyer, 
Lena Habba say yesterday the judge wouldn't let Donald Trump talk. <laughs> There's no jury. The judge decides everything. That, my friends, is the insanity of this Justice Department under our president. Nobody can credibly disagree with that. And if they can do it to Trump, they can do it to you. They can do it to me. Now, what we want to say with our vanity is bring it on. <laughs> I don't have enough money to get those uh, <laughs> those lawyers in court that I would want in court to defend me in such a silly case. And by the way, the final note, not a single bank, mortgage company, nobody lost a dime on the Trump organization. The Trump organization on all of its real estate loans has never been late a single time. Never. None of the banks felt like they needed to go bring in an outside appraiser and appraise the properties, and they signed off on that in the agreements. We agree with this assessment. Nobody lost a dime. (laughs) And they're trying to take the whole Trump organization down because Letitia James, African-American prosecutor in Manhattan, now is the Attorney General for the State of New York, she wants to go down in history as the lawyer that destroyed the orange man, Donald Trump. Budweiser presents the world's first star in your own radio commercial. Okay, guys, whenever you hear this sound, insert your name. Hi there. Your name. Sorry I'm late. Sometimes there just aren't enough hours in the day to be a neurosurgeon and a swimwear model. Oh, am I thirsty. How about it? Your neck. Got anything tall and cool? Oh, Budweiser long necks, though. Your name. You are so thoughtful. But of course, Bud's the first choice for every occasion. Ah, you know I have a confession to make. If I ever had a son, I'd want to name him. Your name. Oh. Your name. Come here. Now. Mm. Your name. Your name. Your name. Well, you did very well in your first commercial. Have a bud. You've earned it. This bud's for Your name. Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis, Missouri. Great shadow legends. I mean, <laughs> You pick your champions. They're glorious. And their shields, oh, they glisten like, uh, wet otters but the bad guys they're lovecraftian they're spooky they're um um big and then you go to battle and it's like then finally your foe is vanquished and that satisfaction such a primal feeling Ooh! download raid shadow legends play for free welcome to mcdonald's may i take your order hi can i get a can i get a get in the mcdonald's Ooh, can i get a can i get a yeah can i get a uh, go, Bubba, go! Uh, pick me! No, pick me! Hey, can I get a... Ten-piece chicken McNuggets. And what sauce would you like with that? Uh...
love that song. <laughs> I ought to play the whole song, but I'm not going to. We got too much that we've got to get into. Lots still going on over there in the Middle East. The IDF, the Israel Defense Forces, they announced this morning it has successfully stormed a Hamas terrorist stronghold overnight. That's alongside 450 other sites that were struck by aerial and naval bombardment as a group offensive in the Gaza Strip continues to pick up speed. They are on a mission. Meanwhile, our Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, and our President, they have flipped. Yeah, they have. Since October 7th, Joe Biden has gone 180 degrees away from we support the Israel people 100%. He's not doing that anymore. No. He's on his knees begging Benjamin Netanyahu, Prime Minister, to give everybody a pause. Not a ceasefire. He doesn't have the chutzpah to demand a ceasefire, but a pause in which maybe they're going to be able to negotiate to get a few of the hostages released. Maybe. One difference between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. There's more than one. But in this specific interest, it's it's very, very obvious the difference. First of all, we wouldn't be in this if Donald Trump was president. Iran would never be involved, which they are up to their eyeballs in funding Hezbollah and Hamas in this horror show they're playing out in the Middle East. That's number one. Number two, Donald Trump wouldn't negotiate with them unless there was something specific that they would do first. How in the heck can anybody in the U.S. government believe one word out of the mouths of one Hamas leader, one Hezbollah leader, and one Iranian mullah. You can't believe a word they say because of what they do. What's that old saying? What you do speaks far louder than what you say. I would accept a 24-hour ceasefire under one condition. One condition. Every hostage be released. Benjamin Netanyahu has adjusted his edict. At first he said this, and this is a direct quote, we will continue until every member of Hamas is dead. And he kind of softened up a little bit, maybe playing to our president, maybe trying to prove that they are amenable to do something, maybe change it a little bit. Here's what he said. There will be no pause, no ceasefire at all until every hostage is released. Makes sense. Joe Biden, Antony Blinken, please, please. We look so horribly unprepared unknowing, scared to death, not a leader. And everybody on the earth is watching this play out. In the past 24 hours, here's what the IDF has done. Over 450 Hamas targets were struck. That includes terrorists. I'm talking about terrorists, not where they're staying, but terrorists 
are being struck. Military compounds, observation posts, anti-tank missile launch posts. IDF ground troops took control of a Hamas military compound that contained observation posts and training materials. Pictures, pictures, pictures. It says several Hamas operatives were killed as troops got that site. Overnight, the statement said, IDF ground troops took control of a Hamas military compound in the Gaza Strip. The compound contains observation posts, training areas for Hamas operatives, and underground terror tunnels. During the operation, several Hamas terrorists were killed. Over the last day, IDF fighter jets struck over 450 Hamas targets. Those included tunnels, terrorists, military compounds, observation posts, anti-tank missile launch post, and more. Moreover, IDF naval soldiers struck command centers, anti-tank launch post, and additional observation posts belonging to the Hamas terrorist organization. As part of those activities to target Hamas, based on ISA and IDF intelligence, IDF fighter jets struck and killed additional Hamas terrorists, including Jamal Musa, who was responsible for the special security operations in the Hamas terrorist organization, the whole organization. Back in 93, Jamal Musa carried out a shooting attack on IDF soldiers who were simply patrolling the Gaza Strip. Furthermore, IDF soldiers killed Hamas battalion commanders in battle on the ground. The IDF says the Navy also carried out strikes against Hamas sites including several other command centers and additional anti-tank guided missile launch positions and observation posts. The Israeli Defense Force has made it clear, even as it pressed ahead with this attack on Hamas, it was making evacuation routes available to those seeking to flee the conflict zone. To that end, the IDF has reopened an evacuation route for Gazan civilians to move south for their safety, as was detailed now for weeks on social media. Shortly after these Israeli strikes, Hezbollah said it fired grad rockets into Israel in response. I think maybe Hezbollah is getting it. Maybe Iran is getting it. Israel ain't going nowhere. And they are certainly, certainly not going to quit. Of course, our politicos over here, they've got to get into the fray with their quote-unquote educated opinions. Biden folks are ratcheting up pressure. Ooh, I'm Joe Biden. Pressure. Joe Biden has no clue what pressure is. Biden administration, experts in the administration, they declare a pause in fighting against Hamas must be initiated immediately, even as Israel continues to push the terror organization into a corner. Late last week, remember this? Prime Minister Netanyahu firmly and publicly rejected calls for a pause, saying there would be no stop in the fighting until Hamas releases the 240 hostages it still holds in Gaza. And here's what the Wall Street Journal said last night. 
President Biden in a phone call Monday with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu urged the Israeli leader to declare a humanitarian pause. That's from White House National Security Council spokesman, former Admiral John Kirby, who is the most feckless spokesperson for any White House I've ever remembered seeing deliver a message. He's unconscionably in the tank for anything and everything that comes out of whoever's running the Biden administration. That's Kirby. The conversation came hours after CIA Director Bill Bernsereev in Israel following a visit to the region by Secretary of State Antony Blinken that nobody listened to and you can't even figure out when he reports on the conversations he had what was really said. Dave Satterfield, he's Biden's special envoy to the Middle East, also returned to Israel seeking to negotiate terms of a temporary pause. It ain't going to happen, guys. It's not going to happen. How can you conscientiously be okay with trying to negotiate with people that cut the heads off of babies, that raped 80-year-old women in public while their children and grandchildren watched and then decapitated them and threw their bodies in the street. You can negotiate with somebody like that. They know one thing. They fear one thing and one thing only, dying. Oh, they say, I'm going, I'm going to heaven and I'm going to have a bunch of virgins waiting there for me because I'm taking out I'm taking out the infidels on the way. In case you didn't know it, you and I are infidels. We're the great Satan. Israel is the little Satan. And every one of us don't deserve to breathe, according to Hamas, Hezbollah, Iran, China, Russia. And now we actually look like we're scared to death because of what Joe Biden is doing and maybe not even doing. You know something we hear very little about coming out of the Middle East, coming out of Israel? What do the Israeli people think about this? How do you think they must feel? When I was there in February, those 10 days, we had a guy guide, and uh, Charlie is his name. He's a member of the Israeli intelligence And I've been back and forth with him since this all began. He and his family are fine, thank God. But he told me about what the atmosphere is like in Israel 24-7. I asked him. While we were there, by the way, there was a, a rocket attack in a part of Israel that we had just left the day before. And on the bus, I went down and sat by him. I went up to the front and sat by him for a little bit, and I said, how do... Israeli people grow up with this hanging over your head every day. And he said, and he speaks very fluent English, and he is a Christian, a Messianic Christian. means they believe, he believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And he said, you know what? Every Israeli grows up with that. We know that's inevitable at some point. We're going to face it. We're taught not to be fearful and we're taught what to do in all those kind of situations. We've been living in that for our lives, so we just take it for granted. 
A new study has documented the extraordinary volunteer efforts among Israelis during this war, showing that nearly two-thirds of the Israeli people are donating to charities right now, and over 40% are volunteering their time. The volunteer effort, that's in addition to the mass mobilization of the military there, the reservists, That amounts to some 360,000 soldiers, a response reportedly in excess of what the military needed. 360,000. The study from Tel Aviv University and the University of Negev found this. Focusing on the third week of the war, the report's findings reflect a picture of extraordinary solidarity with rates of volunteering and donations that are much higher than the numbers recorded previously, both in quiet times and during crises. For example, the average weekly monetary donation per person is 458 NIS. That's their currency. That's about 115 bucks every week. Almost double the sum documented in similar reports in the past. Nearly two-thirds of the public, 62%, donated to various initiatives to organizations, communities, campaigns, individuals in need, giving either money or gifts in kind, and those include breast milk and blood donations. 62%. Think about that number. That's much higher than figures reported in the past. 42% in the COVID year 2020, 47% in 2019, which, by the way, the 47% is a normal year. About volunteering? The report indicates 41% of the respondents had volunteered in one way or another, and that includes social and community initiatives, compared to 31% back in 2019 and 22% in 2020. Last month, it was documented the ongoing volunteer efforts in Israel, including efforts to deliver nearly 1,000 meals a day to residents of southern towns near Gaza, who could not be evacuated easily due to the age or the disability of those living there. Israeli society has historically shown high rates of social cohesion and happiness, and that's despite the political divisions and the near-constant threat of war and terror. Those people know how to give, give of themselves. Now, line that up next to the United States of America and what we do. We're told all the time we're the most giving nation on the planet. And I don't question that. But I think that report would probably be the amount of the dollars and cents. Now, when you have 333 million people in a country, obviously the total of anything, when you add it up, is going to be much higher than from other countries. Percentages? Do you think... Do you actually think that a similar percentage of what the Israeli people are doing would be done in the United States of America in this social and political environment? Oh, my God. I can't even imagine that happening. I'm a Christian. One of my principles is giving. The Bible instructs us to give 10% of everything off the top we make. It goes to God, 10%. We get to live on the 90%. Now, 
Not very many people do that. They don't. There are lots of great stories about people through the years that gave, 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 and were blessed beyond understanding because of their giving. There's a curse that comes with it, by the way, if you're a Christian and you hang on to the 10% instead of giving it to God. Man, we're just getting cranking. Steve Baker will be with us in 15 minutes. And if you didn't hear at the top of the show, he's got a story to tell you that happened yesterday in Washington to him. Oh, talking with you, not at you. Intelligent conversation. TNN, the Truth News Network. Here's the latest traffic report. Looks like miles of trouble-free driving with Napa Auto Parts. Your local Napa Auto Parts dealer in Modesto has a full line of quality parts for your car or truck. Napa Auto Parts keeps America running, and Modesto Auto and Truck is ready to keep your vehicle running in tip-top shape for years to come. So if you think your car or truck needs help under the hood, think of Napa Auto Parts at Modesto Auto and Truck Parts, 924 G Street in downtown Modesto, 529-8342. 529-8342. Ah, luxury. The aroma is full-bodied, the flavor is decadent, the touch divine, and the drive Yes, the drive of luxury is simply Infinity. Introducing the Infinity Luxury Test Tour. If you think you are familiar with luxury, you haven't driven an Infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove invites you to truly become familiar with luxury and take a luxury test tour. It's like a test drive, but with more luxury. We invite you to drive luxury to luxury, not for an hour or even a day, but for an entire weekend. Your choice. Select your Infinity and motor off to a luxury weekend in Lake Tahoe or Napa Valley. And yes, all the luxury is on us. Introduce yourself to LuxuryTestTour.com and truly become familiar with luxury. Infinity of Elk Grove is literally giving you the keys to a luxury experience like none other. LuxuryTestTour.com. Drive luxury, drive infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove. Expect more. We don't tell you what to think, but we give you truth to think about. This is TNN, the Truth News Network, truthnewsnet.org. Truth to think about. Let me give you one right now, a nugget. You're getting this for free. Secretary of State Antony Blinken, Secretary of State Antony Blinken is an empty suit. There's no there there. Now, I don't know the man, but I do know As the Bible says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Based on that, he's feckless. So as you know, he made his fourth trip over to the Middle East this past, I guess, late last week through the weekend, and he was going to see everybody. And he was there with his hat in his hand because our president had flip-flopped on what he had been pretty stalwart about from the very beginning, October 7th. We stand for the people of Israel. You don't hear that anymore coming out of Washington, D.C. I kind of think that the flip happened last Thursday. And what happened Thursday? Former President Barack Obama was up giving a speech, and he basically said the United States needs to stop supporting what Israel is doing. And he had a disclaimer he tagged on the front of it. Let me ask you a question. Have you noticed? I did when he was in his eight years as president. But former President Obama, he speaks in short bursts. 
maybe 10, 15 words at a time. Then it'll stop like he's thinking and then do another 15, 20 words at a time. What does that have to do with this? It just bothers me. (laughs) I thought I would share that with you. So nobody, nobody in foreign leadership has a shred of respect for anybody in our government. Now, they respect the office and the power that comes along with some of the office holders have, but they don't respect our leaders, and that's from the president down. Want to hear an example? Iraqi Prime Minister Mohammed Shia al-Sudani met with Iranian leadership in a show of support for Hamas. Now, when did this happen? Yesterday, 24 hours after this Iraqi prime minister met with Secretary of State Antony Blinken. Blinken went to Baghdad on Sunday, and he went to share his concerns to al-Sudani about the increased attacks by Iranian-backed militia groups on our troops stationed in Iraq. Al-Sudani met with Iranian leadership the next day, yesterday, in Tehran. And you know what he went for? He went there to praise, publicly praise, Hamas's October 7th terrorist attacks and denounce Israel's counteroffensive. Al-Sadani met with Khomeini in Tehran yesterday, and they jointly condemn Israel's counteroffensive in the Gaza Strip. During that meeting, al-Sudani described Hamas's October 7th attack as a, quote, heroic operation. Despite this joy, and this is him speaking, despite this joy, referring to the Hamas October 7th barbary, we are all deeply devastated by the brutal massacre in Gaza, which is a collective revenge on the people of this small region, al-Sudani said. He also met with Iranian President Ibrahim Raisi and criticized the U.S. for supporting Israel's, quote, crimes against humanity and genocide. Now, that's in a press relief from Raisi's office. The two agreed a broader regional conflict could only be avoided if Israel stops its counteroffensive. Those who want the scope of this crisis not to expand all over the region— must put pressure on the Zionist regime to stop this aggression and organize killing. Now, with, during his visit with Blinken a day before, al-Sudani made very clear, oh, we condemn attacks by Iranian-backed militias against U.S. troops stationed in Iraq. There have been 47 attacks on U.S. targets in the Middle East, including Syria and Iraq since Hamas carried out its first attack against Israel October 7th. Now, here's what Blinken said Sunday, bragging. I'm patting my back here while I tell you this. He said, I had a good, productive, candid meeting with Prime Minister al-Sudani. He told reporters that on Sunday. It was very important to send a very clear message to anyone who might seek to take advantage of the conflict in Gaza to threaten our personnel here or anywhere else in the region. Don't do it. (laughs) So, the first time they did it, remember, 
We've been attacked there in Iraq on bases where our people, our military people are stationed 47 times. And so I can see Joe Biden. I can see him when he heard about the first one. Nobody told him at first. Maybe the fourth or fifth one in, they said, Mr. President, we need you to know this. And then he got up and did his don't speech. And they did it again and did it again. And he got up and gave the don't speech again. They don't believe he's going to do anything. Now, if you stop for a moment just to ask you why, why do you think they believe? All those leaders in the Middle East, they are positive Joe Biden's not going to do anything. Well, first of all, he hadn't done anything. Well, he has done a few things. He's given them all a bunch of money, knowing that they're going to, even though they're not supposed to and they're contractually shouldn't have done it, uh, they did it. They're out there violating international laws and killing people, innocent people, all of the above. They aren't afraid of Donald Trump. Yeah, that's exactly opposite. They're not afraid of Joe Biden. They're petrified of Donald Trump because of not what he said, not because of a Barack Obama red line in Syria. That Basra Assad kept jumping across, <laughs> and Obama finally quit saying don't. Joe Biden doesn't know to quit saying don't. It's because people are watching what's happening. Yeah, they're listening, but what they're hearing and what they're seeing are vastly different. You know, somebody who picked up on that, Mark Levin. I don't know if you like Mark. He's a constitutional attorney. He's a Jewish. And he has that show on the weekend on um, Fox Network. Every once in a while, I sit and I just listen still, trying to keep from any outside diversions coming in, and I listen to what he says. I've often wondered, what's the deal about Joe Biden and foreign leaders? He feels the same way I do. They're not afraid of him. They know what kind of man he is. Look at what's happening on his watch today. Today. Joe Biden's watch today as President of the United States. Look at what's happening in our country because of stuff that Joe Biden is doing or isn't doing and should be. So let me ask you a question. When a President of the United States keeps a border open intentionally, the southern border, and upwards of 100,000 young Americans aged 18 to 45 die every single year that border is open from fentanyl. Almost 100,000 civilian, American civilian casualties. Well, what kind of president is that? Is that a man who gives a damn about human life? Is that a man who's compassionate about the American people? Is that a man who wants to protect the American people? Absolutely silent. He doesn't even talk about it. He doesn't even talk about it. It's like it's not there. If we don't talk about it, it's like it doesn't exist. Oh, and nobody knows that we're letting that happen, so we won't even bring it up because they'll just get mad. 
Literally, that's the President of the United States of America. If he'll just turn his back on 100,000 people, innocent people, mostly in their teens and early 20s, be slaughtered by illegal drugs manufactured by China, sent to Mexico and brought into here by Mexican cartel members that are smuggling across who knows who with a backpack full of fentanyl that they're getting out there and slaughtering our young people. That's okay. Oh, sometimes bad things happen. That's justification. That's who's president. Think about that for a second. Steve Baker is back in just a minute. Mr. Rippermorph. Yes, Dorothy. A reporter and crew from New Center 7 Wastebusters are here to see you, sir. New Center 7. Wastebusters. They expose mind-boggling waste of taxpayers' money right here in the Miami Valley. What do they want with me? They said you sold the government a ballpoint pen, sir. So? For $1,000. Well, it came with refills. And a jar of paper clips for $2,000. They were multicolored paper clips. Uh-huh. Red ones, blue ones. What should I tell the Wastebusters, sir? Do they have lights and cameras? And the ballpoint pen, sir. Tell them I went out my window, down the fire escape, and then booked down the street screaming like a madman. I don't think they'll believe that, sir. Mr. Rippemoff? Watch News Center 7 expose government waste right here in the Miami Valley and see the Waste Busters in action. You can't escape them, sir. They're the Waste Busters. News Center 7 Waste Busters. Weeknights at 6. Coverage you can count on. They'll find him. For over 75 years, people have saved money with... Oh, with Geico. Oh, sorry. Here we go, from the top, and action. For over 75 years, people have saved money with Gecko, so... Cut it. What? What did I say? Gecko. I said Gecko. Oh. For over 75 years... <laughs> Keep it together. I'm good, I'm good. <clears throat> For over 70... <laughs> what are you doing there? Stop making me laugh. Gecko. Saving people money for over 75 years. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. Lowe's knows you're a craftsman guy. You have a lot of tools. Tools for everything you've done around the house. But there's the moment you realize your new project means new tools. When tool guys need new tools, they start with Lowe's. The new home of craftsmen. You're fighting back the tsunami of ignorance with Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. I probably don't need to tell you this, but there's plenty of ignorance to go around, and there are too many people in the numbers growing by a day who are raising their hands saying, ooh, ooh, I want to be stupid. (laughs) That's what's happening in our nation, and you can't say otherwise, seriously. Joining us now from Washington, D.C., our very own Steve Baker. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Dan. How are you today? Well, I'm doing good. You sound way different. What's different today about your sound coming from D.C.? <laughs> well, I, I'm. I, fortunately, I still have my phone. Let's just say it that way. But what? What's missing? Talking. What's missing? <laughs> <laughs> What's missing is my computer, my computer bag, uh, all of my notes, everything that was in my bag, all uh, and some 
fine cigars were in that bag and uh let's see uh chargers uh earbuds uh microphone yeah lots of things disappeared last night somebody uh borrowed them from you yeah it, it, i mean that's one way of putting it when you're walking <laughs> down uh, I, it's funny because i'm actually tracking my my earbuds and so my earbuds are um <laughs> it's, it's well it's interesting because i had one i had them on but one of them dropped out when somebody did a you know snatch and run of my computer bag last night and uh so i in the process apparently lost one of my earbuds so i'm 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 seeing exactly where it is. It's in the middle of the road right now in downtown DC. Man, I hate that. Uh, you weren't hurt, were you? No, no. I got a little. Um, I got a little um, scrape on my finger. I think that was just from ripping the bag off. Man, but other than otherwise, I'm in good shape. Um, I'm sure you had everything uploaded to the cloud. <laughs> Yeah, I have two different cloud backups, so, you know, um, that's going to be uh, an all-day job <laughs> when I get a new computer, uh, downloading everything and getting it back in, uh, in the right places. But uh, I have, uh, fortunately, I have Apple's uh, iCloud, the, the extended version of it, but I also have a, another backup called uh, Carbonite, so I'm well backed up. Well, brother, um, I know you haven't missed any of the insanity that we have watched play out by our leaders in our government and the laughing that is happening at our Americans' expense because they don't give a rip for Joe Biden. They don't give a rip for Antony Blinken. They're not even respectful of the United States any longer and they don't care what we think. They're going to do what they're going to do, period. That's sobering. Yeah. To say the least. I I, I wondered I wondered what was going to happen when this whole thing came to a head. And I wondered what Benjamin Netanyahu was going to say when Joe Biden flipped. I think the flip happened last Thursday when Barack Obama gave a big speech at I think it was one of his not-for-profits, and they were discussing our response to what Israel did in response to what Hamas did. And the former president, Obama, he basically lacerated what we were doing, that we did not have the, the right to support Israel responding as they have been responding to Hamas. In other words, yeah, it's bad and it's really bad that all these people got hurt, babies got killed, yada, yada, yada. And he used the word genocide talking about Israel's response. And then immediately, almost within seconds, Joe Biden, who had been from the very first day, been in full support vocally about Israel. We support Israel. We stand behind our Jewish brothers and sisters. We're with you. And then all of a sudden, it's like, we need to pause. 
We need to wait a little bit and let these people for humane purposes get everything together. And Netanyahu, he immediately said pretty much this way too. Let me be frank. I told you from the beginning, there will be no ceasefire. None. Mm -hmm. We will not stop what we're doing until every member of Hamas is dead. Now, he did soften a little bit over the weekend. He said there will be no ceasefire, particularly unless and until all of the hostages are released. And I think that was kind of throwing Joe Biden a bone. I really do. Yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't throw Joe Biden anything um, because, well, well, we know why. And there's there's uh, no doubt in my mind, as we've talked about many, many times before, that Biden Biden is not in control not only of his own faculties, but he's not in control of what's happening in in uh, the Oval Office or what's happening overseas, what's happening in Israel. Um, he, on the other hand, Netanyahu certainly is going to have to play the political game now because, as happens every single time, I think you and I talked about this last week, is that every single time this happens, that Israel is attacked, um, whether it was in you know the, uh, the Six-Day War, the Yom Kippur War, um, whether it was this particular attack, the world – is going to put pressure only on one entity to stop their rightful actions in response. And that's going to be on Israel. Uh, we've already seen it at the UN. We've already seen them vote for, uh, you know, condemning uh, Israel for uh, their counteroffensive, counterattack. And we've, of course, uh, are going to continue to see that. And, and Dan, I am, uh, and again, I think we talked about this last week as well. I am so disturbed by what I'm seeing from our neighbors. And when I say our neighbors, the people in our own towns, our own cities. And I, I, I was this just latent anti-Semitism? Was this latent hatred for Jewish people, for Israel itself, that this event suddenly gave them reason and cause to come out of the closet? I, I, the, the, the numbers and the, uh, the vile nature of the, the attacks and what I read on social media uh, is just absolutely flabbergasting to me. What, what is it, Dan? It didn't just happen. Nothing like that just happens. What you and I, of all people, you're a true full-time investigative reporter. I'm a part-time investigative reporter that talks to a lot of people too. But we should of all people, every time something like this happens, we should immediately default to the question, who's behind it all? In the last five years in the United States of America, especially that horrible summer, when everything was blowing up in every big city, we were like, what are these people doing? Where is this all coming from? We found out it was all predetermined and funded in advance. George Soros, the Open Society, his big not-for-profit, they got busted when it started up in Portland, Oregon. They found charter buses two blocks off the main drag 
where they were doing their thing. Same thing happened in Minnesota. Same thing happened in Rochester, New York, in Atlanta, Georgia. The love of money is the root of all evil, and they're finding these so-called activists, which are really nothing but a bunch of young people that went to schools that hated Jews, they hated white people, and they were looking for an opportunity for somebody to bring them in, talk sweet to them and nurture them, and then, by the way, pay us to go do something like we're seeing happen now. Now, they're not all that, I'm sure, but when you go to a real, very heartfelt demonstration, and there are people that may be seated in that group, they may be legitimate in that group, but what are they really there for? They're really to get everything amped up. And they want those meetings, those demonstrations to turn violent. And all it takes is one match to light a fire. And once it's lit, look out. Nobody knows where it's going. No, that's correct. And and we have um, just here, right where I'm sitting, uh, just three days ago, with 300,000 estimated people marching against Israel, marching for Palestine, marching for Hamas, chanting, um, you know, not just uh, Allah Akbar, but also chanting from the river to the sea. And we all know what that means. You know, from the river to the sea sounds pretty innocuous. It sounds like a peaceful type protest, but that phrase itself only means one thing. It means the destruction and the clearing out of all Jews from Israel. That's what it means. And hundreds of thousands of people were marching in our nation's capital this weekend with that chant on their lips. And then, more interestingly, was how many people in that crowd were carrying communist flags and placards with Karl Marx's face on it. this is this is a very 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 interesting group of bedfellows there, uh, especially when you throw in the uh, uh, <laughs> well you uh, you know you have you have the LGBTQ crowd marching for Hamas and um, Palestine Palestinians, and you know we 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 know what the absurdity is there, and we know. What the um, the ultimate uh, end game there is if those people went to Palestine, what would happen to them? Uh, and and yet they're marching uh, in support of them here in the U.S. And when I say this, it's an interesting set of bedfellows. You know, the one thing that if they get communism that they're really, really not going to like is communists don't put up with either group. Communists don't put up with Islamicists, and communists do not put up with um, gays, lesbians, trans, homosexuals, whatever you want to call them. And they're in for a rude awakening if they get what they want. But the thing is, Dan, is they don't know what they want. They just know that they don't like us, they don't like our system, they don't like the Constitution, they do not like our Bill of Rights, and that's what they're marching against. And this is just another way to express that. For those of you who are listening here that maybe weren't here yesterday, maybe you're 
you're here, when Steve's here. I want to thank you for that, first of all. But you may not know the river to the sea is reference to the Jordan River, which is on the east side of the West Bank, up in the northeast side of Israel. And to the sea is all the way across, going west from the bank of the River Jordan to the Mediterranean Sea, which is all of Israel. And they want Israeli people exterminated. I want to make that clear. The other thing is, Barack Obama mentioned in his speech on Thursday, talked about the occupation. We hear that mentioned all the time. And yesterday, I unfolded the world history of how Israel came to be and how geographically Israel ended up being formally put in the 1948 war. There has never been a country called Palestine. Never in history. Now, I I got a couple of emails when I said that on the show, and I very nicely responded and said, would you send me a, um, a picture of the map or send me a link that shows where in history, when the time was, where there was a country called Palestine. It, it, it's not there. It didn't happen. The original Palestine referenced a region, not a specific boundered reason, but a region in Western Asia. And so the only thing that has happened as a real estate transaction about the Palestinian people was by Israel. They gave, didn't charge them a nickel, but they gave the whole 25-mile strip of Gaza to the Palestinian people. Israel did. And they said, here, it's yours. And that's a big gift because you know what is there? The whole beach area of the Mediterranean Sea. There were massive, gorgeous resorts and all kinds of vacationing things there and beautiful architecture. And, of course, the Palestinian people, good people that they are, they held free elections. And go figure, Hamas won the elections, and they began to destroy that beautiful piece of land. Those are facts. And anybody listening, if you want to take me on, please, Educate me. I'm totally open to it. I don't know everything, and I don't believe everything I read, but I did a massive amount of investigations to come up with it. I couldn't even find anywhere in any type of literature, other perspectives, other languages. I couldn't find anything that says there the Palestinian people are being occupied, that somebody, Israel, of course, is where the allegations go, is occupying land that belongs to the people of Palestine. And so when you have that happen, that's the foundation of this whole thing, and it's based on falsehoods, how easy must it be to get people to believe a lie? There are hundreds of thousands of people that are dead today because they believe that lie, and they acted based upon the lies that they had been being told for generations. And I don't think everything that happens in Israel, I don't believe everything that goes on is perfect. There are bad people in any language-speaking nation, 
any geographical nation. There's no skin color. There's no language. There's no religion that's exempt from humanity. And where humans live, even you, Steve Baker, you're not perfect. I think maybe I'm closer no. than you are. Maybe. <laughs> well, you you are. But let me let me tell you, Dan. And I know I know we talked and touched on this a little bit last week. Um, and it's a shame that we're in the same news cycle still uh, a week later. But this is going to go on for a while. And I am seeing so many pieces of pure falsehood, disinformation, just like you're talking about there. There never has been a Palestine. There's never been a place on the map. There's never been a country. But I'm seeing so many pieces of misinformation, disinformation, propaganda, falsehood about the Israeli, you said the occupation, the other word that they're throwing out is that they're colonizers. And of course, that's a big word right now. Uh, they don't, you know, the, the left is, is um, using, I don't, I don't know if they, if they uh, tested this with a, you know, a group study or whatever they did, but we're, we're all colonizers now. You know, the, the problem with the white people that founded this nation is that we were colonizers. And so, therefore, colonizers are uh, inherently, that word, or whoever you can throw that label on, are inherently evil. And what is being talked about in Israel right now is, is that they are colonizers, and therefore they are inherently evil. And the problem, the problem with that is that they did not take that land by force in 1948. That was given to them by a vote of the United Nations, and then they were immediately attacked as soon as they did occupy that land. And they're trying to tell us that the West Bank, the Gaza Strip, are colonized territories by Israel. The problem with the Jewish people, the problem with, or the problem with the, um, the this accusation against the Jewish people and against Israelites and against Israel, the nation itself, is that they are not a uh, colonizing people. Even their religion, as we mentioned last week, is not a what they call a proselytizing religion. They don't they don't go around. Uh, they don't have the the great you know. Um, um, commission that Christians have to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And we have this obligation by our learning from the new Testament to tell others about our religion. They don't have that obligation. They don't care. They don't care whether you become a Jew or not. It's, it's not what they do. And in the same manner, they don't have any designs whatsoever to occupy or to invade or to take land from their neighbors. They haven't done that for thousands of years. Once they got the promised land, once they got there, and they did, they did take it by force originally. But that was, you know, thousands of years ago. But after that, that was it. They just wanted their home. They wanted a place to call their own, and they want to be safe. And they want to be in peace, live in peace in that territory. But they're not invading Egypt. They're not invading Lebanon. They're not invading Syria or any other nation. And what they are doing is they are simply defending what is theirs. They're not colonizers. 
But I'm seeing that word more and more and more and more as a pejorative, and especially in this case. In this conversation, I, I, I liken back to an illustration that I heard many years ago. I'm from South Louisiana, grew up fishing, hunting, spent a lot of time, great amount of my time out in the water, in the swamps and stuff in South Louisiana. And I learned about fishing, the kind of fishing they do there, and about crabbing. Crabbing always intrigued me. Um, the way they crab commercially is they build these boxes, they're rectangles, and they're wire all the way around. And in the top, in the very middle, they pulled a, they put a hole, they leave a hole there. And they'll bait that crab trap They'll bait it with chicken necks, and they just drop them down on the bottom of the trap. They take the track out, and they lower it down to the floor of wherever they're putting it up, and they'll come back a few hours later, and sure enough, crabs smell the meat. They find a way to crawl up the side of the crab trap over the top, and they drop down to get that chicken. What's interesting, and the first time I saw this, I couldn't believe it happens every time. When you get the crab tracks put together out on the ground and it's dry land, if you'll just sit there and watch for 15, 20 minutes, there may be five or six crabs in there. One of the crabs will see, hey, I can get out of this trap. I go to the side, crawl over to the side, crawl up the top, crawl across the top to get to that hole, and I can get out, get out of the hole, and I'll be free. But they never make it out. You know why? A crab down at the bottom reaches up and grabs them and pulls them back down into the trap with them. We're watching that happen, literally, on earth. People don't want to invest their time, their efforts, their energy to learn, to build an infrastructure, or do anything and everything that's necessary to improve themselves. The way they want to do it is watch somebody get successful, pay the price, and then they want to walk over and take what those people have away from them and make it their own. Now, that may be a little exaggeration, but I know for a fact the Palestinian people in large, the ones that are signed into the totalitarianism of Islam, those people, they are not the people that build things that create things, that want to create something, implement something that's for the the masses. They build it, and they think they can be successful building it using the number one tool, hatred. Hatred. And they just resent anybody that they think has a little bit better thing than they have. And that's not exclusive just to Islam. It's not exclusive to any religion, any nation. If you're human, you're going to deal with that. And how do, you, how do you open people's eyes? A lot of these people don't even know why they're doing these demonstrations. They're rioting. They're attacking the White House. And oh, by the way, how many of those January 6th people climbed up there on the White House fence and painted it red? You think there were any arrests there? You know how many arrests so far reported? about what you witnessed in D.C.? One, one arrest as of this (laughs) morning. (laughs) So why did I give that illustration? 
Here's the American ideal that after World War II, after World War II was when this whole thing of giving Israel that land, that sprung from the knowledge that so many Americans learned by fighting World War II in two different places at the same time. And pulling together, Marianne has an aunt that was single, and she lived in Spring Hill, Louisiana. When the war broke out, she left her family, and she moved to Fort Worth, volunteered to work in a factory there that made and built airplanes. And there were tens of thousands of Americans that did the same thing. They were willing to go all in, to do what was necessary to keep the nation that they had grown up in and that they had just watched two foreign foes, two totalitarian nations try to break them apart and take them. And they were grateful and they never wanted to lose it again. That was four generations ago. That's our problem. Are you there? Oh, I'm sorry, I am. <laughs> I lost you for a second. I thought that... I, th- I thought there was a question coming after that uh, um, speech you made. <laughs> no, I, I am I am here. I am uh, a little um, preoccupied, as you can imagine. Well, sure. I have um, my 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 mind is racing right now because I'm trying to figure out how to uh, how I'm going to not only reacquire all the items that were taken from me last night um, and start that process. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's, you know, it's like a, for, for me anyway, somebody can invade my home. They can take everything else from me. But when you take my backpack, my, that is my life. It's all there, Dan. <laughs> it's all in one case. They can take everything else. They can take my car. They can, they can invade my home. They can rifle through all my drawers and my closets pulling out whatever they deem valuable. They can run away with it all. They can even take my horns. But what can't be replaced is the information that I carry in that bag every day. Yeah. And uh, that uh, has unfortunately got me a little bit preoccupied today. Before we let you get away, let's, let's flip the switch just a little bit. This election thing is now looming. We're inside a year. We've got an election yeah. for president one year from yesterday. This is all going to go pretty quickly. And the news cycle is out there. And they're more involved in this election than they normally are because of all the circumstances surrounding Joe Biden, the mess going on about his bribery, alleged bribery, that of him and his family. And then, of course, we got the Donald Trump thing that, you know, he's in, he's in court every other day. And that's just going to bring it to front and keep it there. Your thoughts on the landscape of this election. Do you think it's going to, six months from now, look like it is today? Or do you expect there to be big changes between now and then? Well, the the biggest change that I expect is on the other side, the Democrat side. I think um, I I still hold to my belief that – Biden is going to be replaced at the top of the ticket for 24. I do not believe for a second that his own party is as supportive of him as they are claiming. 
they're just marching in lockstep to and reading, you know, reading the same uh, uh, facts every morning about what they're supposed to say about this administration. But I still believe that we're going to see somebody like Gavin Newsom that's going to be at the top of the ticket, if not him in particular specifically. And then on the the, the other side, um, you know, when we when we get to uh, summer convention time next year, when the the DNC and the RNC put on their dog and pony shows. Um, I have a feeling that um, we're going to just be down to a couple of people just before then. Uh, you know, obviously the primaries are going to eliminate two or three very quickly. And I would not be surprised if we don't have a contested convention uh, on the RNC side because of by then, Dan, Trump's legal woes are not going to be over. I mean, A, he could be sitting in jail. I mean, we know that that's what they want. B, there's still going to be uh, open cases, open charges against him. And there's going to be a real unknown going forward as to whether or not he should even be elected. And I'm, I'm, and, and by the way, I'm making no endorsement or no claims, uh, or, you know, or throwing my hat in the ring for anybody right now on this, on this, um, uh, call. What I'm saying is, is that there's, there's so many unknowns related to his legal issues that I think we could have a contested, um, a, a, a literally a floor battle at the RNC, and that's regardless of what the um, uh, the primaries tell us. I honestly I, believe that the only way that would happen is if one of these cases between now and then turns up to be factually based on evidence that proves he did some of the allegations that are against him. I don't think that if we don't get something like that, concrete evidence, I don't think... It'll be, um, it won't be over, but I see instead of waiting, I see an emergency writ being filed at the U.S. Supreme Court regarding the involvement of the election itself with these gross misrepresented across the board so far at least allegations made against Donald Trump based upon the 14th Amendment Clause 3, which says Congress can eliminate anybody for any public office if that person has participated in insurrection. Donald Trump hadn't, be, hadn't been charged for insurrection in any one of these cases. Nevertheless, I think a huge portion of these are going to be either put off by the court system or they're just going to stop. They're just going to say, okay, we're done. There are too many questions as to the cause and the media and the timing for this to just blow through and forget about. Every case that's filed now, every single case, 91 felony um, charges against the former president, every one of those could have been done four years ago. And they all waited for obvious reasons. The Supreme Court, if they're asked to intervene, they cannot not intervene because it would be a terrible uh, abuse of the election system that is laid out to be run by the states every four years for president. And they just can't let it not happen that way. My personal feelings. I, I don't have any inside information. 
That's just my thoughts because we've got to keep the nation structurally together. Or if we lose an election cycle or any real veracity in an election cycle, we're doomed. We're going to be nothing but a puppet moving forward. Well, <laughs> we, we, are, uh, we are certainly doomed if this administration, <clears throat> under whoever's leadership it, it, it's, it, it is under, continues. And I uh, can tell you that we can't have um, we can't have a, a weakling. We can't have a uh, go along to get along guy on the Republican side getting the nomination, first of all. And even if they win, they, they, have, they have to be a legitimate, hardcore, aggressive reformer because our, institute, our institutions have, in fact, been invaded. Our in- institutions... All of them, all of them have been taken over by the neo-Marxists. They've been taken over. And it is a um, – we, we are just – we are on the precipice right now, Dan. I don't know if, if you've seen um, the news just in the last uh, couple of days. There's going to be um, legislation um, – I don't know if it's legislation or, or if it's – because I haven't looked it up yet. I've been too – preoccupied with what I'm doing here in DC right now. But basically if they get by with it, we're not going to have a free internet as of next Tuesday, a week from today, there will be new regulations that will control all the speech and what's allowable on the internet itself. And uh, we're talking about FCC taking it over and treating it much like they have uh, um, terrestrial radios for all these decades, but obviously worse because uh, they are dedicated now to the elimination of free speech. And so we so we have to have somebody that will take over these that will reform these institutions. Um, and if not, uh, we're, it doesn't matter which party wins. We're we're lost as a nation. We're, yeah. We've lost our thing. Yeah, I agree. We got a lot of moving parts in life now that we really wish we didn't have to deal with. But we've got a mandate, Steve. We have to we have to take them all on. They're so important. We can't just walk away like, oh, we'll get to it when we have a little extra time. It's right. I mean, it's like we see light at the end of the tunnel, and that end of the tunnel light might be a train. We've got to collectively come up with a way to get our government back in line where it actually governs according to the rule of law. And when the people at the top, they thumb their noses at the rule of law, you don't have a nation. You don't have laws. You don't have enforcement of laws. You don't have a nation. You don't have a future. You're going to live in um, some banana republic down in the Caribbean or South America. You're not living in the greatest nation in world history like we have been you and i since we've been right. here i don't have all of the answers i can only say this when i get to the end of the day and i'm really troubled still in my spirit i always pray i just pray for mm-hmm. peace for me i pray for peace for the world now does that make a difference if it doesn't make any difference other than that i can get some personal peace and lay my head down and sleep one night really well it's worth it to me but the other parts of it, 
I have no control over it besides one thing, my vote. You don't either. And we're questioning whether our votes even count anymore. So we just got to yeah. put one foot in front of the next one and just keep on trucking, right? Yeah, that's it. Even when you're, uh, that's it. even when your iPod, <laughs> your AirPod <laughs> is somewhere in the street, middle of the street in Washington, D.C. Man, I hate you had to go through this. I can't think of anything more inconvenient and annoying than for somebody yeah. to steal a briefcase. Oh my God, or a backpack. I, I just, I yeah. just and, and that's the, that's the, you know, the, not, not only, not, I mean, not only is there, I, I would say there were, there was probably about $5,000 worth of items in there in the, in the bag, you know, and, uh, but it's the information, you know, my, my reporter's notebooks are in there. You know how many, you know how many notes I have written on notebooks in that bag? Yeah. And then of course I have financial stuff that needs, you know, that, uh, is not, you know, needs to be, uh, submitted for reimbursement for my, my travel expenses. Uh, they're, they're, and then, and then my car keys were in there. Um, <laughs> where's your car? Well. Where's your car? <laughs> <laughs> my car, my, I can see it out the window of the okay. hotel room. Right now. <laughs> so my car is fine. Do you think about all the work now when I need to be doing my work here, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be spending the rest of the day working on recovering, uh, the items that have been taken from me. Well, buddy, we're in your corner. We love having you in our corner and it's great for us to get together. Keep us posted. We'll pray for you. If you need anything, let us know and certainly come back and uh, tell us the rest of the story when you get it, okay? <laughs> I will do it. All, All right. right. All right, buddy. Thanks, ha- have a good one. Steve Baker from Washington, D.C. <laughs> Doesn't have a computer. <laughs> he's got a phone, though. Thank God he's got a phone. Raid Shadow Legends. I mean, <laughs> you pick your champions. They're glorious. And their shields, oh, they glisten like... Uh, wet otters but the bad guys they're lovecraftian they're spooky they're um um big and then you go to battle and it's like and finally your foe is vanquished and that satisfaction such a primal feeling Ooh, download raid shadow legends play for free at akio we've been making the best in mobile phones for over 20 years how did we get there by putting ringtones in every commercial that make you think your phone is ringing Whether you have a new phone, an old phone, or just leave it on vibrate, we make sure you always hear your phone in our commercials. It's our way of saying, we hear you. So don't be silenced when opportunity calls, pick it up. It's for you. Akio Mobile. 35 years after the original movie, Fox is bringing you back to where it all began. Nobody puts baby in the corner. This is the real Dirty Dance. Eight celebrities compete to become the real baby and Johnny. Look at my Johnny here. Some will rise. Some will fall. All will have the time of their life. The Real Dirty Dancing four-week event starts Tuesday at 9 on Fox 5. This is your home. This is your family room slash gym. The guest bedroom slash music studio. The day bed slash dog bed. The living room slash yoga shanti slash regional office. Slash classroom. And this is the basement slash panic room. 
Maybe what your family needs is a vacation home slash vacation home. Find yours on the Verbo app. Several things I want to get into before we end the show today. Kamala Harris, vice president, out in public yesterday. She's excited to tell Americans that she and Joe have created a new bureau or a new advisory council or whatever you want to call it. And they're going to aggressively go after all of the wrongdoing involving Islamophobia. Islamophobia. How so many Islamist people are being taken advantage of and injured and hurt because of Islamophobia. They're going to make sure that doesn't happen. So I thought about it a little bit, and I looked up some numbers. As far as violence against Muslims in the United States, less than 1% of the violence perpetrated in American society is based on Islamophobia. That's according to the FBI. And then I thought, what about the Jewish people? And so I I looked in the FBI, I looked it up. A little over 2.5% of the nation are Jewish. 65% of the violent acts perpetrated for religious purposes in the United States, 65% is anti-Semitic action against Jews. Less than 1% Islamophobia actions, 65% against Jews. Does that surprise you? It really doesn't surprise me. And, And that, my friends, is pretty sad. It really is. In the Biden administration, every day, they, they do something that just blows my mind. When I hear about it, I shake my head. It's like, how could they let this happen? Jesse Waters on Fox, he had such a moment yesterday. You're not going to believe this. He reported Democrats want Biden to drop Bidenomics and run as a wartime president, even though White House officials are panicked that we're bumbling into World War III, which is exactly what Biden said Trump would do. A president who says he wants to end endless wars in the Middle East is bringing us dangerously close to starting a brand new one. The Biden bomb looks hellacious, and the president wants to show it to our enemies. Yeah, last month, the Biden administration invited China and Russia to watch us test our new nuke in Nevada. Why is Joe Biden inviting our enemy scientists into our most sensitive nuclear weapons facility? Biden's inviting the Chinese to our nuclear lab after the Chinese paid his family $6 million. Chinese Russian scientists are looking at, looking in our highest, most secure, most critical nuclear facility. Why would they even do that? I mean, what's the purpose? Does Joe Biden really think, does he really believe that these people are our allies or our friends? What has China throughout history been famous for doing? Replicating anything and everything. And in some cases, many cases, doing it better than we had done in the Americas. And the 
the Russians, my gosh, they brag about the nuclear weapons that they already have and what they would do with them. Maybe we don't, maybe, uh, maybe the Biden administration, they don't believe any of that, that the Chinese or the Russians would do any of those things that they threatened to do to us. But is it worth letting them come into a facility and watch as we demonstrate the danger and the power of a new bomb that we created? That defies logic. I can't imagine. I can see it happening, but happening only in the case of a President Biden. I could not imagine. I don't even think I could see Barack Obama doing it. None of the previous Republican presidents wouldn't. Certainly Donald Trump wouldn't allow it. What the heck is going on in the Biden administration? Are the allegations of the bribery and every big major evil nation having something on the Biden family that it turns into us doing things for them, looking the other way for their purposes when they tell us to or ask us to? It just seems every day like it's got to be at least partly based on that. There is no reasonable explanation for any president allowing a Chinese scientist or two or three, a Russian scientist or two or three to do hands-on examination of when we demonstrate a brand new bomb. It defies logic, like I said. Wow. Finally, it looks like some of the universities are waking up to the stupidity of this horrible anti-Semitic, anti-Israeli demonstration and the extent that it's going to. Brandeis University has banned students for justice in Palestine for its support of Hamas. Brandeis University said yesterday it's no longer going to recognize students for justice in Palestine Palestine, on its campus. The Brandeis SGP, Students for Justice for Palestine, they announced through an Instagram account that its Vigil for Palestine event planned for Monday was canceled after the group that they said was, quote, unjustly dechartered. With heavy hearts, we would like to announce that our chapter of Students for Justice in Palestine has been unjustly dechartered. This comes as a part of Brandeis University, an institution that values social justice, trying to silence us from speaking our truth. Our truth. I hate that thought process. You've got your truth, I've got mine. Truth lives in a vacuum, folks. Truth is absolute. If it's bad, if it's something you don't like, it still exists. If it's something other people don't like, it still exists. If it's truth, it's truth. And that can't be your truth or my truth. According to the Jewish Insider, Brandeis SGP was sent a letter that said, in a decision that was not made lightly, the group would be derecognized, no longer receive funding, or be permitted to conduct campus events or use the Brandeis University name. The National SJP has called on its chapters to engage in conduct that supports Hamas, 
in its call for the violent elimination of Israel and the Jewish people. These tactics are not protected by the university's principles. As a result, the university made a decision that the Brandeis chapter must be unrecognized, will no longer be eligible to receive funding, be permitted to conduct activities on campus, or use the Brandeis name and logo in promoting itself or its activities, including through social media channels. Students who choose to engage in conduct in support of Hamas or engage in conduct that harasses or threatens violence, whether individually or through organized activities, will be considered to be in violation of the university's student code of ethics. The letter continued. In a statement to Fox News, spokeswoman Julie Jett for Brandeis confirmed National SJP has called on its chapter to engage in conduct that supports Hamas in its call for the elimination of the only Jewish state in the world and its people. I thought you could say anything. Well, you can. But you can also be held accountable for those in authority over you if what you say has implications that threatens your right to say it in the circumstances you're saying it. That old saying is true. You can't cry fire in a crowded theater. And I think it's a pretty credible thing right now to call what we're living in a crowded theater, especially when it comes to this. Jim Jordan, back in the news. First, I've really heard anything from him since uh, Mike Johnson was named the House Speaker. Jim Jordan is a very close friend. They're very, very intertwined. They're good friends. They work well together. Jim Jordan dropped a bombshell thread late last night on Twitter X now. Chilling details that should rattle every American citizen to the core. He started the thread by reporting this. The federal government, disinformation experts at universities, big tech, and others work together through the Election Integrity Partnership to monitor and censor American speech. Then he brought the receipts. Lots and lots of receipts. According to one EIP member, the EIP was created at the request of CISA. That's part of the Department of Homeland Security. It's a entity that monitors what you and I say and post on social media and to turn us in if we say anything that fits into the categories that they create of being hate speech or speech that we need to watch people that are saying these things. The head of the EIP also said that EIP was created after working on some monitoring ideas with CISA. What speech was targeted for censorship? True information, jokes, political opinions, and they gave some examples. Congressman Jordan concluded by saying the American people deserve to know if they were targeted by their own government and so-called disinformation experts. Now, the committee is making the data from these reports publicly available, and you can get them if you want them. We'll actually post them at truthnewsnet.org after the show 
finishes up today and we get everything posted there. You can go there and get the data from these reports that is public right now. Some other situations that we wanted to tell you about. The House Judiciary Committee released a report late yesterday further shedding light on the DHS's involvement with an anti-disinformation group that worked to censor content surrounding the 2020 election. CISA, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, we just, in that other story, referenced this very group. It's a subdivision of DHS. They helped create the Election Integrity Partnership, EIP, which is an information exchange that's between researchers, election officials, government agencies established in 2020 to identify and research online election misinformation. But then here's where we exit and go back to the previous story that's side by side with this one. EIP routinely flagged content for social media companies to review and then listening to the FBI has been testified again and again and again before Congress to censor and advise the social media companies to censor, sometimes block, sometimes delete things that go against what they say are real and necessary things and covered by the First Amendment. You can't make this stuff up, folks. It's happening all around us. Yesterday, Admiral Kirby, John Kirby, he was confronted by Neil Cavuto of Fox News. The Justice Department secured an indictment against Sohaib Abiyashis, a 20-year-old Palestinian who was in the U.S. illegally on a federal firearms charge last Friday. Do you feel there's a threat that some nefarious elements, including Hamas members, are those who are sympathetic or inspired by Hamas to do the same thing here? That's Cavuto asking Kirby. And he was referencing the October 7th attacks. An October 20th memo from the San Diego Field Office Intelligence Division of Customs and Border Protection warned that Hamas and Hezbollah could be infiltrating the U.S. through the U.S. open border. Secretary of Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas was unable to say how many members of the radical Islamic terrorist organizations may have come into the United States through the southern border during testimony at a Senate hearing last week. We work in close contact with the DHS and our Border Patrol agencies to make sure that we can control and vet and to minimize any threat of terrorism coming through our borders whether the borders are maritime or land, Kirby claimed. We do that very, very stringently. The process is constantly under review to make sure that we can minimize the threat 100%. Yeah, right. Over 2.5 million people have been encountered at the border during fiscal year 2023 alone. And that's data that's released by the U.S. Customs and Border Protection. We don't have any idea if that's true. That follows 2.378 million encounters in fiscal year 2022 and 1.73 million in fiscal year 2021. And on that note, 
we are going to finish the show today with thanks to Steve Baker. Thanks to you always for being here. We're going to do it again tomorrow. How about it? Why don't you be here? 9 a.m. Central Time. Or go grab TNN Live after it airs live on any one of the Poscat sites. Have a great day. We'll talk tomorrow. Oh, my God.